Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. I struggled a little bit this week thinking about what to say today, not because I didn't feel like I had anything to say, because I felt like there was so much that I had to say and so much that I wanted to say that clarifying, God, what would you have me say today? But I believe I've come to it and I'm excited for us to lean into it together this morning. You know, over this last week or two, I have been so grateful to have Jesus in my life. I've been grateful that I made the decision to make him the center of all that I do. I've been grateful that he is my anchor, that he is my foundation, that he is the place that I run to and that I know that he is an ever-present help in times of need. Because there were times over this last week, actually most of this last week or two, that I thought, I don't know what I would have done as I felt all kinds of emotions, emotions that all of you have been feeling as we watch what's going on, confusion and anger and pain, questioning what is happening in our nation. How is this still part of what's happening right here and right now? As I looked around me, I was so grateful that I had Jesus to run to because while I don't know what it is to be an African-American in this country right now, I know what it is to be a mother in this country right now. And as I listened to a grown man, George Floyd crying out for his mother, I know the rush of fury that I felt the first time I saw another little kid push my kid at the, at the playground. I can't imagine the unspeakable pain at the unjustifiable death, murder of someone in the middle of the streets, unable to get to him, unable to help him, and emotions pulled up in me that I didn't know what to do with as I looked at our nation breaking apart, as I watched us watch Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. There wasn't enough space in between for me to catch my breath and go back to what we had done before. And you know, it's easy for your physical body to get out of health and for you to ignore it and say, you know what, it might not be as bad. I might not be as unhealthy as I thought I was until someone pushes you and says, run that again, run that again, run that again, and you realize that you actually aren't as healthy as you thought that you were. And I think that our body of our nation realized that we are not as healthy as we liked to pretend that we were as one after the other after the other came on us and we couldn't catch our breath in between. And the cry of a nation rose up and said, we have got to get this right this time. But in the midst of it, I also felt hope, an indescribable hope, a strange hope, to be honest. On Monday last week, I remember waking up and I opened up my phone and I started reading some news and I started looking at my social media feeds and I felt this strange hope rise up inside of me as I realized that our collective we had not moved on to the newest topic. 
to the next trending thing. As we have too many times before, we've thrown a hashtag on something and said that we were infuriated about it. But as the weekend rolled into a new week, we decided there was something else more interesting for us to post about, more interesting for us to talk about. But this time, I felt that spark of hope that said, oh, we're not moving on this time. We're going to lean into this a little bit more. We're going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep pressing into this. And I felt that spark of hope rise up on the inside of me because I believe that justice is not trendy. Justice is the heart of God. And I saw the people of God standing up for justice and saying, this isn't just a trend I wanted to talk about last week so that it looked like I was part of what's going on. I want to lean into this. And so this week as a church family, we are gonna lean in to biblical justice. We're gonna lean into what does scripture say about what we should be doing right now, what we should look like right now, what we should sound like right now, what the people of God, what are we to do in this moment that we have? Because I believe that God has opened a window for our hearts and ground that has been plowed and is fertile for so many generations before, for seeds that were planted by faithful leaders that came before us. It seems like now there is a window for harvest, for racial reconciliation in our country. And if the window is open, we are gonna run through it with everything that we have until we see God's desire for our nation alive in us today. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says this. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Father God, I ask you to be with us today in this moment, in this service. God, give us hearts that are soft before you. Give us ears to hear. Let your words be in my mouth today, God. God, use me. I'm so honored that you would ask me to be part of this moment, God, that you have called us to this generation. So let your spirit go forth. Let your fire burn within us, oh God. Let us learn how to focus the things of your kingdom, to see change, to see transformation in our hearts and minds. And God, let it start with me. Let it start with me, with each and every one of us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was asking God if this was the right direction for today, you know, I had to, to search and see, God, is this still where you want me to lean into for this next week? As we rolled into Pentecost Sunday and, and Bishop addressed it, I, we don't want our platform, we never ask for our platform to be directed by everything that's happening in the news, by everything that's happening outside of this place. We'd be talking about all kinds of things. But as I began to seek God's heart and I began to ask him, I realized and I, I was reminded that reconciliation is right at the heart of the good news of the gospel. That if we are discussing reconciliation, the people of God should be right in the middle of that conversation because all of us have been reconciled to 
Christ. We've been reconciled, put back in right relationship. The relationship that we had with God had been dismantled by sin and by evil, and that that relationship got brought back into proper position through Christ Jesus. And scripture tells us that as each of us have been brought back into right relationship with God, we have the duty, we have the responsibility to then be people who seek reconciliation in every place that we go, in every sphere that we're part of, in every place that God puts us, in every way that we walk, in every moment that we have opportunity for reconciliation. It is our job to share the reconciliation that we have received and work to replicate it in our earth and in our world today. And I know that if you have been a member of Cornerstone Church for a long time, if this is your church home, perhaps you're thinking, I don't know that I really need this message. I don't know that this is really part of it. I don't know that I really need to hear this because I go to a diverse church. I've already had my heart open to reconciliation. I don't feel like this is a message for my today. And I am familiar with that feeling. Bishop and Pastor Kathy founded this church the year before I was born. I have had the honor of growing up my entire life in Cornerstone Church, and one of the key things that God asked them to do, that God told them was gonna be part of the makeup of Cornerstone Church was to build a church that was multi-ethnic, where people from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of colors, from all kinds of economic spheres and circles, from every neighborhood across the region could come into a church and find a happy people celebrating God and find welcome into the kingdom and the house of God. And what a joy it is that they did that and that we get to celebrate the work and the thing that they plowed up. I want to remind you of the founding scripture. Part of the founding scripture for our church is Isaiah 2, starting in verse 2. It says, and it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established I wanna remind you that this is our year of establishing some things, of solidifying some things, of pouring some concrete and letting it sit in place and saying we are establishing some things as the highest of the mountains and it shall be lifted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. All nations shall flow into it and many people shall come and say, many kinds of people shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. And that is the church that I grew up in. That's the environment that I grew up in. It's the atmosphere that I grew up in, a place where all people were celebrated for their diverse colors, for their diverse cultures, for their diverse backgrounds, where our circle looked like, like what I believe heaven is gonna look like. And it created a kind of a bubble for me, to be honest, because I thought that the whole world existed like Cornerstone Church that I grew up in. I thought that everybody celebrated and loved. I truthfully believed that racism was part of the past, part of our history, but not part of our today. I was 18 years old and I believed that everyone in the world, everyone in our nation at least, 
saw each other the way that the people who are part of this house see each other. And that is a privilege, an incredible privilege that I realized as I got older was not a privilege that was afforded to so many of my friends who were growing up in that same space. Because while we came together and we celebrated each other in this place, when they went home, their family was having to have conversations with them that I wasn't having to have around my table. It was a privilege that it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I truly had to confront racism in my life. And probably before those 18 years, somebody said something to me or somebody told me, hey, this is something that we still need to talk about. But because I didn't feel it, because it wasn't impacting my own life, I wasn't able to wake up to the realization of what was happening. You know, I've given birth to two children. Uh, and in that time, part of labor is that you go into contractions. Contractions are painful if no one has ever told you about this. And both times that I went into labor and I started having contractions, there came a point in the midst of it that although I had said, hey, I, I'm starting to have some contractions, hey, these contractions are kind of kicking up, my very joyful, very playful husband would just kind of be going on like life was all normal and everything was all good. And I would finally have to say to him, him, hey, I'm serious. These are real contractions, and I need you to focus in on what's happening right now. And then he would go, oh, this is real time. Okay, this is go time. And he would come in, and he would focus in. And he couldn't understand what I was going through because he couldn't feel what I was feeling. And it took me leaning into that moment. It took me expressing to him. It took a sharper, hey, I need you to pay attention to draw him into what's happening. And over this weekend, I started to hear a bit of a change in the conversation, which I understand, a change in a frustration that so many people have been woken up and have all of a sudden come to the conversation. And there's a frustration that it's nice that you're at the conversation now, but sometimes it feels like it's a little bit too late. And I get that. For those of us who have been talking about this for a long time, for those of you have, who have been feeling it and living in it for a long time, there is a frustration that says, I have been saying this for a while. I have been feeling these contraction pains for a while, but guess what? Even when Phil came late to the moment, I needed him to help push all the way through. And even if somebody just woke up, yes, I wish they would have woke up years ago. Yes, I would have wish they would have heard it a different time. I wish it wouldn't have taken three back to back for our nation and a terrible, terrible video for us to wake up and say that is enough. But we are here now and we have finally woken up and it's gonna take all of us to push this thing through. So when I was 18 years old, my bubble got popped. I moved uh, to a college. I moved to an affluent school a little bit south of here in Ohio. And that was the first time I really encountered blatant racism. It was the first time that my poor, naive eyes were open to the way that certain groups of our country truthfully still believe and talk. And I was shocked. My world was shaken, my bubble was popped. I could not believe what was happening in our country. 
And because my skin looked like theirs, when I sat in rooms, things would be said in front of me and I would hear conversations that I couldn't believe and because they didn't understand that I am more kingdom at my core than I am Caucasian at my core. They thought that it was acceptable to have the conversation in front of me and I hated every minute of it. But I'm grateful for it because it shone light on something that I didn't know was there. And it opened my eyes to an evil and an injustice that needs attention. And I started learning about the history of African-American people in our country, about the systems of injustice that have gotten us to where we are today. And I started learning about what God says about biblical justice and about what his heart is for all people and how we're to walk it out. Because what I know, while I don't consider myself a scholar on either of those subjects, all the way to my core, I am convinced that it is the role of the church to be that shining city on a hill, to be that mountain that everybody looks to. That scripture in Isaiah says that when many people come into the house, they will say, teach us your ways. It means they see something in us that says, I want to look like that. I want my relationships to sound like that, to look like that, to be open and accepting like that. Teach us your ways. But what are our ways? Our ways, first and foremost, are to have a pure heart. Psalm 51 and 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For every believer, our starting point is to take ourselves into the presence of God and say, create in me, God, a clean heart. It means that each and every one of us need moments of cleansing in his presence, need a place that we go to and say, God, dig out in me anything that is still there. God, dig out anything in me that separates me from another group of people. Dig out in me, wipe clean in me, and repent replenish it with your spirit. Pour in your spirit. Pour in your wisdom. And that applies to all of us. Whatever you were taught in the house that you grew up in, whatever you've come to believe by news images or media that's projected something that's a lie to you, we have to come before God and say, clean out this space. And then it is our role to do justice. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Require of you. Not ask of you. Not suggest to you. Not hope that you come on around to. The Lord requires of us that we do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. means that he requires of us to be people who are actually doing the work of justice. That in my own life, in my personal life, I am a person that does justice. The thing that we are supposed to do is to train up a next generation. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Too many people were not trained up in the way of God. They were trained up in the way of hate. They were trained up in the way of evil. They were trained up in the way of division, of self-preservation rather than embracing the people. But we have the opportunity to train up 
a generation to sit around our tables and say, let's talk about what this means, to sit around our tables and talk to our children and to the next generation about growing up in a place and in a space that says, I recognize the Imago Dei, the image of God that is in every single person and every single believer, and to sow that deep into their hearts, deep into their minds, deep into their actions that our children would rise up knowing that I am an image bearer of God and that everyone that I see is an image bearer of God. You know, Dr. John Perkins says, if you begin to believe that you are inferior, then you will lose your passion for the fight. You have to see yourself as an image bearer of God to allow his holy passion to keep rising up, to keep burning up in you and say that I am worthy to be treated like an image bearer of God. And I want to say to every person of color that is part of this church, whatever lie has been spoken over your life, whatever someone else said to you, whatever untruth you've started to let take root in your heart, we dig it up today. You are an image bearer of God. No one should speak to you inferior. No one should treat you inferior because God put his imprint on your life and created you just like he intended to and placed you right here in this moment just like he intended to and we celebrate that in this place and we stand up for it in this place and we say that you are an image bearer of God I want to note how those first three start with us I want to purify my own heart I want to do justice in my own life I want to speak to my family, to my children, to the next generation about being people who pursue racial reconciliation and see each other as image bearers of God. Then we can move into speaking up on behalf of those who are oppressed. Proverbs 31 and 8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of those who are destitute. It is the responsibility in the kingdom of God for those who have a voice to speak up for those who don't have a voice. Not having a voice doesn't just mean that you're unable to speak. It means that you're unable to be heard. Why did it take us so long to get here? It's not because no one has been saying anything. It's not because no one was saying we don't appreciate the way that we're being treated. It's because there weren't ears to hear it on the other side. So those of us who have voice, who have the ears of people who are in influence, who have ears of places and spaces, have the responsibility to speak up. Have the responsibility to gather people around our tables and to be those who call out. To be those who speak up and say, that's not acceptable here anymore. To be those who stand up and say, in this place, this is how we act. We won't stand for it. We won't accept it. Because you and I have been given a ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Each and every one of us, we have to speak up because we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. 
We have been given a ministry of going after bringing people back into connection together. And if we look back at 1 John 3, where we started today, it speaks to us of the actionable love of God that applies for our right here and our right now. In verse 16, it says that you would lay down your life for another, just as Christ laid down his life for us. Laying down our lives for another speaks to us of laying down who we are, my own concerns and my own comfortabilities. While there are things that make me comfortable, while there are things that are more convenient to me, while there are things and spaces that are more familiar to me, we all have the responsibility to say, I'm gonna lay down what's most comfortable to my flesh, to my own moment. I'm gonna lay that down for the responsibility of someone else in my sphere, for someone else who is a brother, who is a sister, who is part of this same body of Christ. If part of the body of Christ is in pain and is in agony, then it is the responsibility of the entire body of Christ to say, we're gonna lay down this thing and pick up the cause of the part of us that is in pain and is in agony. Said another way, it is seeking first the kingdom. We seek first the kingdom. That means kingdom over everything. Fill in the blank. It's kingdom over your culture. It's kingdom over your family beliefs. It's kingdom over the stories that you were told. It's kingdom over your neighborhood. It's kingdom over your economy. It's kingdom over your career. It's kingdom over every single thing until I see kingdom established on earth until as it is in heaven becomes my right here, right now reality. I have to lay down my own life for kingdom over whatever. And it says, he who has the world's goods ought to use it, ought to use those goods for helping others. In fact, it says, if you have the world's goods and you don't use them, then there is no love in you. Then the love of God is not found in you that we demonstrate our love by using what God has given us and each and every one of us have influence at some space and at some level. In a time when we love to talk about influence, about our social media platforms and everybody wants to be the next greatest influencer and is concerned about our brand, is your influence being used to speak into that space? Is your influence being used to say, I'm gonna reach into something else? Or do we sit back and say, I could speak up for justice. I could speak up for part of the body that is in pain and that is hurting, but I'm not sure that might be too political for some of my audience or it has the potential to harm my brand in some ways. And I don't totally wanna get involved with what's going on in that space because I don't wanna hinder my own influence and that applies to all of us because all of us have family members who we say I don't know maybe if I spoke out about that too much they might not look at me the same when I come around the family table or what about those of you who are the first African-American to work at a certain level inside that company and you've strived to get at the executive level but now you're a little bit afraid that if you use the influence that you've been given to speak against the bias that exists in that organization it might hurt the good thing that God has given you the good 
good resource that God has given you, but it is your responsibility as a person of the kingdom of God to stand up and to speak out and to use every resource that he has given you to pull up those who are still stuck in that place of oppression. And it says that our love cannot be in word and in talk, but it has to be in deed and in action, that we have to get our words and our actions lined up together. And we've seen so much talk stirring up, and it's so good to hear the sound of justice roaring. It's so good to hear a holy anger roaring through our nation that says we won't stand for it, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't get our deeds in line with it, if we can't get our due justice in line with the words that we are speaking out because we have to be in sync. We have to be thorough people. We have to check what is going on in our own hearts and in our own minds because I know as a member of Cornerstone Church, it's exciting that you go to a diverse place and a diverse church, but I don't want to know if you go to an integrated church. I want to know if you live an integrated life. Because sometimes it makes us feel good that we serve on the team with a Hispanic family from our church. And that every weekend I get to sit next to a white lady who I think is so nice. And I feel so enlightened because my kid has a black friend that they hang out with in children's church. But since we haven't been able to gather together and since you haven't served together and since you haven't sat next to each other and since the kids' classes have been closed, does your life still look as diverse as you like to talk about it looking or have you gotten it all the way in you to your words and to your actions? Is your entire life a reflection of the kingdom of God? Here's a good test for your week. Look back over the last month of your text messages and your phone calls. Does who you've stayed connected to look as diverse as the person you like to talk about who you are? Because it's not the organization of this church that is going to make a transformation. We can be the shining city on a hill, but it's who we are when we leave here as individual temples of God walking around that is going to change and transform our cities in our hearts and in our minds. Last week at Pentecost, Bishop talked to us about the power of our tongue. He talked to us about the fact that division is there for limitation. And that the way that God limited the people who were building the Tower of Babel is that he split up their tongues, their language, their speech, the words that were coming out of their mouth. If you weren't here, if you didn't listen to it, I want to encourage you to go check the podcast, check the YouTube. It's a powerful message that you need to get deep inside of you. Because then at Pentecost, God came to unite us again, to empower us again for doing the work of the gospel. And when he came to empower us, he got us a united speech a united sound, a united tongue, and said, go forth and be in power. Come on, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power from on high, it's power for doing the work of the gospel, for going out into the streets and declaring the good news of reconciliation that comes through Christ Jesus. And we are going to use the power of our combined words and inactions to set this thing ablaze. The way that we use our tongues, the way that we use our words 
is what is going to determine our ability to keep pushing this thing forward until we see kingdom on earth. So I have four things that I want you to do throughout this week. This is the like mega homework part. Get your notepad out, get your pen out. This is what we are doing right now as a church. And it comes in a nice acronym to help you remember. We are going to put racism in the past. I've got four things. P, through prayer. We pray first. Not because it feels nice, not because it feels good, not because I think it's something that uh, makes me sound like a healthy, well-rounded person that I take time to pray every day because I believe that prayer changes things that it is my connection to heaven. And through prayer, I partner with the heart of God and I change my own heart and my own mind and I shape the atmosphere around me and I invite God to come and intervene and we need God to come and intervene in this moment. So this week, I want each of us to take 20 minutes and walk the streets of our neighborhood and pray for racial reconciliation in our country that starts with the street that you live on, with the place. I want you to take 20 minutes. Right now, I want you, with who you're watching with, to take a minute and discuss when you're gonna do your 20 minutes. I know how easy it is to move on from this moment and say, that was a good idea, and then next Sunday comes around and you go, oh. We never took our 20 minutes. So right now, discuss when you're going to do it. If you're single and you're watching by yourself, you're like, self, when am I going to go pray this week? Yeah, I've got some time on Tuesday afternoon. And write it down. Go ahead and drop it in the chat. Why don't you get yourself a little bit of accountability and say, this is when you can find me. Check in with me on Wednesday and find out, did I do my prayer walk? And when we're walking, we are going to pray for our own hearts that God would cleanse us and purify us and take out any bias that we still have, anything that's still inside of us. And then we're gonna pray for no violence in our community on any sphere or on any end. And we're gonna pray for an end to racism and prejudice in every form in our country, that we would see the presence and the power of God for unity show up in this place. Then A, we're going to ask questions. We are going to sit down and ask some questions to learn a little bit more. Proverbs 10 and 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense or lack of understanding. They die for lack of sense or lack of understanding, and we gain sense, we gain understanding by asking the questions, by learning what we didn't know about, by having the boldness to sit down at a table and say, tell me about your experience. Tell me about the things that your uncle told you and why that led you to believe the thing that you did. Tell me about what it was like when someone followed you or the first time that you got pulled over and you weren't sure how it was gonna go. Tell me about that experience. Ask the questions for all of us so that we can learn and gain understanding. I know that February seems like a lifetime ago, but in February, we talked about sitting down at tables together and talking about the healing that happens over a table, about the healing that happens when we sit down and ask the questions that gain us understanding. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna ask questions, we are going to speak up. 
S. We are going to speak up. We will not be a silent church. We will not be a silent people. We're going to speak up in two ways. We are going to celebrate diversity in every place that we see it. We are going to rejoice over people who are getting it right. We are going to rejoice over the companies that are getting it right. We are going to rejoice when we see a healing happening in a moment. And we are going to call out disparity when we see it. We're going to call it out with grace. We're going to call it out with love. We're going to call it out with truth. But we are not going to let it slide under the radar anymore. We are going to be people who speak up and celebrate diversity and call out disparity. And then T, we are going to tell our stories. Tell your story. So many of you of every color have stories of how God healed you from racism, how he dug up biases in you that you didn't know that you had, how coming into this place made you encounter some people and build relationships with some people that made you go back and look at things that had become thought patterns in your life. Tell that story to shine the light of hope in the midst of what's happening. Tell that story so someone else can recognize what they have growing in their own heart and say there is hope on the other side of this. Tell that story so they learn the process, the deep digging work of renewing your heart and your mind. Tell your stories of when you've encountered bias. Tell those stories. Because just like it took me telling Phil, I am feeling this all the way now and I need you to pay attention. If someone is not experiencing what you're experiencing, I know it's painful to recount it. And I know it's the lie of shame that makes you feel like you should be embarrassed to recount it, but it's not the lie of shame that puts that on you. The person who should feel shameful is the accuser, the person who comes against someone and treats them with injustice, but too often Often, shame makes me feel like because an injustice has been done to me, I should feel shameful. And so I don't want to talk about it, but I'm begging you. We need you to tell your story so those who still haven't heard it can hear it because it takes all of us at the wheel pushing this thing forward. We're going to pray. We're going to ask questions. We are going to speak up and we are going to tell our stories this week. And throughout our lives until we see this thing rectified in our own country. I want to leave you which is a, with a final thought. Which is that we are in this until the end. We are in this to see it totally transformed. It has been the message of the gospel since it got started to work for reconciliation. It has been the message of this church since its founding to see all people coming into relationship with God. And if the window is open, we are going to keep pushing it forward until we see a complete restoration and reconciliation. But I want you to know that this is not going to be done in a weekend. This is not going to be over because we filled our social media feeds with it. I believe that so many new hearts have been opened. I believe that God has shined a light on some of the ugly underbelly of things that were still happening in our country. But it is going to take us continuing to press it forward, continuing to bring it to the attention. So I want to encourage you not to grow weary, not to get uh, disheartened in the midst There's a scripture in Galatians, 
And I thought that the message version particularly spoke to where we are now. It says, so let's now, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we do not give up or quit. Come on, we're not gonna give up, we're not gonna quit. So right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Come on, let's get this all the way right in the community of faith and be that mountain that stands up that says, that's the direction we're going to our communities, to our regions, to our cities, where people come into us and say, teach us your ways. And I believe that we will see it. I believe that we will see it. So God, we thank you for the place that you have brought us to. We thank you for this incredible house. We thank you for the diversity that's among us. We thank you for the celebration of your creation that exists in Cornerstone Church. We thank you for leaders that plowed the way generations ago. We thank you for Bishop and Pastor Kathy who plowed the way starting decades ago. We ask you for a fresh wind. We ask you to give us wisdom for this moment. We thank you and we say that we won't quit until we see every believer, until we see every person in our city treated and respected as the image of God that you have created and designed them to be. Help it rise up in us. God, do a healing work in our nation. We thank you for it and we're grateful for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.